This is a story of three wishes by Shara Sharma, adapted from a fairy tale called Foolish Wishes. Story goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a woodcutter and his wife who lived in a forest. He worked very hard. They were very poor, but they were very happy. One day, the woodcutter looked for some trees to cut, and he found a very strong, tall tree in the forest. But when he went to chop it down, he heard a voice. Please help me. The woodcutter looked from where the voice came from, and he saw that a tree had fallen behind him. And he looked down under the tree, and he saw a fairy. The fairy's wings were stuck under the tree. Please help me get out of here. My wings are stuck. Oh, poor fairy, said the woodcutter. But how can I remove such a big tree? I will tell you how to get me out, said the fairy. So the woodcutter did exactly what the fairy told him. And he used an axe and rock and leveraged the wood. Thank you, said the fairy. Be on your way, said the man, for I need to chop down the tree before it is dark. I'd like to thank you for saving my life, said the fairy. Go home and make three wishes. So the woodcutter ran to his house, and upon meeting his wife, he said, Oh dear, make us a delicious meal from whatever we have, for I am hungry. And then at dinner... I'll give you some surprising, wonderful good news. Then the wife said, Oh, only we have soup. For I do wish that we had some sausages to go in that soup. Suddenly, sausages appeared on the table. Oh, no, said the husband. The fairy only gave us three wishes. And now we only have two. You've wasted a wish on sausages. I wish you hadn't said that, and I wish those sausages were stuck in your nose. <laughs> Suddenly, sausages were stuck in the wife's nose. What is going on? cried the wife. How funny you look, said the woodcutter. The wife got angry. Why are you laughing? I've got sausages up my nose. I wish. Stop, stop, said the woodcutter. Be careful what you say. The fairy only gave us three wishes and we only have one left. First, let's try to take the sausage out of your nose on our own. So they tried and they pulled and they pulled and they greased their hands and pulled and they greased the sausage more and they pulled, but the sausages were firmly stuck. The woodcutter and his wife were very sad. What should we do now, they asked. I wanted to wish for a big house, said the man. I wanted to wish for lots of food and wood, said the wife. But we can't do either of those or enjoy any of those things with sausages up my nose. The woodcutter thought for a while. We have no choice, he said. We have to make the last wish to get the sausages 
out of your nose. The wife was relieved. The sausages came out. What a waste, the woodcutter said. I thought about asking for firewood to keep us warm all winter. The wife said, I really want to thank you for using that last wish on me. And both of them realized that they were really super happy even before the three wishes. And they were happier without them anyway. So then they ate the sausages with their soup for supper and they enjoyed their meal. They loved each other and they lived happily ever after. The end. What do you wish for today? Whenever I read the passage that we read in our Hebrew reading for today, the one from 1 Kings with Solomon, it reminds me of every fairy tale ever written, where the genie or fairy godmother or wish granter shows up and magically grants three wishes. It's always three. And so in this scripture for today, while Solomon is asleep, God shows up in a dream and asks, what should I give you? What do you want? What do you wish for? Solomon only gets one, but it's clear in the text that Solomon could have asked for many things. He could have asked for more riches. After all, I suppose that's what always we ask for. That is the popular fairy tale, right? The first thing someone asks for is more money. More money, a house, something of permanent nature or impermanent nature. And then there's always some sort of moral lesson right after that, right? That the riches or the house or the money or the golden eggs don't really matter at all. Solomon could have asked for his enemies to be defeated. That's a good wish to ask for. To be saved from whatever calamity is currently befalling upon us. Like the woodcutter who was looking towards winter and was afraid that he was going to be cold. Or Solomon who could have wished for his enemies just to go away. Sometimes a good wish for us is that which we wish for that could get us out of whatever immediate situation is causing us pain. Solomon could have asked for that. But Solomon didn't ask for riches or relief from immediate pain or relief from his enemies. He asked for the wisdom of God. He asked to see as God sees. He asked to be able to govern as God would govern, as live as God would live. He asked for a better life for the people that he was entrusted care over, to be a better servant for God's people, how to do his job as king better. I don't know, perhaps Solomon already had all the things that he needed. I mean, after all, he was a king's son. And I imagine there was no sort of shortage of meat or sausages or chariots. We know there was certainly not a shortage of women. I think the count was 700 princesses and 300 concubines. Maybe a little bit exaggerated. But it could be proven that Solomon did not need to wish for love or his way out of loneliness. I don't know, perhaps he asked for wisdom because he actually knows that God isn't some sort of magic genie. I mean, after all, God is God, the great I am, the one who loved Solomon's dad, David, the one who loved God's people. 
Maybe he just thought he was doing the right thing and asking for what he thought God wanted him to ask. Whatever the reason Solomon's ask for wisdom is, it is a good desire. And it's clearly the right answer in today's text. What shall I give you, God asked. And Solomon says, wisdom to discern between good and evil and right and wrong. It's like the serenity prayer to accept the things he could not and the courage to change the things he could and the wisdom to know the difference. Solomon asks for prudence, to be considerate, to understand, to regard his neighbors and subjects as God saw them. He asks for a discerning mind. That's what it says in our scripture for today, a discerning mind. But that might be better translated as a listening mind for the ability to hear God's call for his life and to hear with real ears the stories of his people. It's a good reminder for us today that I think at our core, that in which we most desire is not sausage for our soup or a big house or more cars or even relief from temporary pain or more wine to cover up the pain, as the Ephesians letter points out. But that what we really desire at our core is true connection to the light and wisdom and love of the Creator, which is already within us. Today's gospel story continues our six-week journey through stories of bread after the discussion and miracle of feeding of the 5,000 which is all about Jesus being the bread of life and about Jesus doling out all kinds of things of bread and wine which are more than just bread or wine. Those things which actually are life instead. They're similar to the story of the woman at the Samaritan well which happens two chapters before our reading for today. And you will remember that that woman who was the lowest of all society, a woman and a Samaritan, was, because Jesus reminds us later, so low that she was often derogatorily called a dog. I suppose things haven't changed much. And Jesus promises her living water, living water that will transform her life forever, living water that will make her that which is life, living water that will make her vital and transformed and eternal and more able to live than she has ever been able to live. And so she asked Jesus, where do I get this living water? And Jesus says, I am. I am here. I am the living water. Like the woman at the well and like Solomon and like the disciples and like us, following Jesus around means that Jesus is offering us more than the ability to be rich or powerful or even painless. Jesus is offering us what I think is our inmost desire, to eat and drink of that which is life in its purest form, to be connected to wisdom and understanding and the sight of how the Creator sees, to be able to see as God sees, to understand as God understands, to love as God loves. Now, I don't think we need a magic genie to show up and teach us that lesson. But we do, every week, come to the table to drink of the spirit of cup and to remember that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are forever bound 
with the giver of life and the wisdom of love. Sort of like the woodcutter, maybe a little bit, when he found that fairy struck under the tree and the woodcutter said, oh poor fairy, how on earth can I remove this tree? I will tell you how to get out. Get me out, said the fairy. God tells us how we can get out. God tells us how we can heal the world. When we say to ourselves, how on earth can we get out of our own cycles or our pain or those huge things which are trapping us, Jesus shows us the way through flesh, through blood, through drink, through bread. He says to us today, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them and live with me forever, for I am the living bread. And after that couple, who was granted the three wishes, realized that they were happy and had all that they had needed before those three wishes, that they were happy around them with just what they had, the love of one another. So too, we may we be happy with the community that we have, with Christ's bread and wine already prepared for us. For we have been given and shown the way for everything that we need to abide in God and God to abide in us. So today and every day, may we eat our meals and be linked in unity and love to enjoy each other's company and to live happily ever after.